Hi, you're listening to episode 21 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast with me, Samantha Lonsbury. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Hello everyone. Just before to start this new episode of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast, I wanted to ask you a small favor. If you really like what I'm doing on this podcast, I would really like to ask you to go on the platform where you are listening to this podcast, like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and provide me a review. It will really take you two minutes, but for me, it will be really uh, helpful. And also, if you want to get notified for any new episode, you can also subscribe to this platform or go to the YouTube channel where you can also subscribe and see the videos of the podcast. So let's jump in now to this new episode. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll talk about regulatory affairs people. So how they can be trained. And for that, I have a special guest coming from Topra. It's Samantha Alsbury, Head of Professional Development, and uh, she will help us to go through uh, this path, help us to understand exactly what kind of qualification we can have, and also what can Topra can do for those people that are looking to transition uh, to uh, regulatory affairs. Hello, Samantha. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And uh, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be part of your podcast. You're welcome. So, Samantha, as usual, I'm asking my guests to introduce themselves to explain exactly what they are doing. Also, explain about their company. So, for this kind of uh, company to be more an organization, so it's Topra. And then uh, we can go to more questions. So, the stage is yours. Okay, brilliant. Thanks. So, I'm head of professional development at Topra, and that simply means that I oversee our training, our qualifications, our accreditation and continuing professional development. So some people call that CPD, some people call it continuing education, what we all do to keep up to date on an ongoing basis. Um, so before I joined Topra, I was a scientist and an academic working in biology. And in my spare time, I'm also a career coach. And what does Topra mean for people that really don't know what it is? Um, it stands for the Organization for Professionals in Regulatory Affairs. So we are the professional body and uh, uh, we, so we're based, we, we're a membership organization. Um, and our mission is to represent and promote healthcare and veterinary regulatory affairs. So that includes people working in medical devices, IVDs, also the pharmaceutical industry and the veterinary industry. So we provide exceptional support, world-class education, definitive accreditation, and celebrate excellence in regulatory affairs to help raise the status of the profession. Um, so for instance, we have um, coming up our awards event where you can nominate people, your regulatory heroes, for okay. recognition by the profession. So good. So we can even, yeah, make some awards. It's great. <laughs> With some awards if you are regular, from regular affairs. So great. So I think you are the right person here to help us really to understand what uh, needs to have a regular affairs person. 
uh, what qualification uh, this person needs to have and how also we can become a good regulatory affairs uh, professional. Okay, so Samantha, let's go to the meat of the episode and let's help some people uh, to transition to regulatory affairs, if I can say. So uh, if someone wants to move from his job and change to a regulatory affairs job, so how long do you think he needs, if I can say, to become a real professional? I think that's a really, um, it's a really kind of variable thing. So people who have a strong background in medical devices and maybe are working in something related like quality, I think it's a relatively easy move with some training, I would say, you know, a few months and they should be able to kind of take on their own work and be not experts, but, you know, productive. Okay. Um, Whereas, of course, somebody coming who maybe doesn't have an engineering or science background or doesn't have experience of the industry, I think they would take a lot longer, you know, probably a year. Um, I think for everybody, you, you probably need to have some training in regulatory affairs if you're not, um, you know, if you're not coming from that industry. And in fact, even if people are moving from say veterinary or pharmaceutical regulatory affairs into devices they're still going to need training on what are the, the guidelines and the regulations that they have to follow but as you mentioned so um if you are already coming from another field um if, if you are already working on the regulation from another field like you've said pharmaceutical or food or i don't know yeah other regulations it can be yeah. easier because you have also i think the mindset uh, to know exactly what we are looking from you, uh, from this regulation or the other. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, I think, interesting. But if you are coming, for example, from sales rep uh, to a regulatory affair, I think it takes more time only also uh, to change the mindset sometimes to really understand what we are asking and uh, that we are, have to comply to a legislation. So what is exactly uh, saying the legislation to interpret the legislation? So it's uh, also something that, uh, that can, be, uh, can be a bit tricky. But uh, is there any, um, any big change now? Because as we mentioned on many of the episodes before, uh, we have a big uh, transition happening now on the medical device. We have the MDR, we have the IVDR, we had the MDSAP uh, that is ongoing, etc. So does this change, uh, you think, the demand of people in terms of moving to regulatory affairs? to learning more of that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're seeing an uptake in training both for experienced staff who, of course, need to transition to the new regulations and also for new staff. So the regulations have really increased um, the amount of work, regulatory work that has to be done. They've been kind of raised the bar, if you like, for the requirements people have to meet. And so I think there's a big need for more staff who were trained in medical device regulatory affairs, IVD regulatory affairs. So definitely we're seeing a big uptake. But um, is, it, is, it, is it more the companies that are pushing their employees to be trained or is it more independent employees that say, oh, I think it's a, a right move for me, so I want to be trained on that and to maybe increase in my career or find, find my path? I think it's a mixture. I think more people... Um, come to training through their employers, either because their employer pushes them to upskill, like we've got this new regulation coming and we need to be ready and we need more staff, or they're looking around for who internally 
could join regulatory affairs. Okay. Um, but I think also internally, um, employees are going to their boss and saying, you know, I really, I need some training or this would be really helpful and will help us be ready faster. And um, we do have some people who come to us for training, particularly people who want to transition into regulatory affairs from other careers who put themselves through training. So that definitely happens. But I would say it's more coming from the employer side. No, it's great. Yeah, as, as we've said also, so we have some kind of lack of resources uh, when we have those uh, big transition happening. Uh, and sometimes it's, uh, it's really important to have also some people that are really well trained and not just uh, learning things uh, out of books, if I can say. Uh, so and so also trying to get uh, experience from people that already know uh, know about the field, know about the, 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 the topic directly. Um, if I yeah, as, as we talked about the, the transition of people from their previous field, maybe to regulatory affairs, um, if I have to ask you what are two or three uh, skills or mindset or qualification that this person should have to really succeed uh, in regulatory affairs, which one would you choose? Oh, if I had to keep to three, I think... Um I think communication is actually okay. absolutely key because you've got to negotiate your way through the regulations and the guidances, see how they can apply to your products. But you're also having a lot to interact internally with people to convince different teams or find out their needs, kind of acting a bit as a hub, really, to bring together what is the business need, what is the patient need. And then how do we meet the regulations in the best way to do that? So those kind of communication and interpersonal skills. I think also project management at a time when, you know, people are having to not just look at the regulation of one product, but bring all their products into line with the MDR, the IVDR. Um, there's a lot of work to do. So I think that really helps. And I think you have to really value quality. Um, okay. you know, in your, in your product and also in your work and other people's work. It's, it's, it's great because when you said communication, I was thinking um, from my personal experience, I think it's really uh, an important skill uh, because uh, sometimes we are coming with the, the legislation and we are trying to explain the legislation to some people that are not on our field on, on regulatory affairs. And uh, what I see sometimes is the creativity of, of the people when they are reading some legislation and say, no, I don't really interpret it that way. I interpret it in another way. And you are here saying, okay, it's really creative. But uh, <laughs> you have, I, think, I think, as you said, negotiation, communication is really important because you will still have some resistance in the other side trying to move to another way or to yeah to try to yeah fight against your arguments so it's uh, yeah you should be as we say in England keep calm and carry on so <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so, don't yeah stay 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 on the ground no problem <laughs> <laughs> good um and um we talked also about the move from one field to another. I see a lot of people that are trying to move from drug to medical device. Uh, I worked on both fields. So I worked on, on drug and medical devices. Uh, I see that it's really different in terms of regulation, which is normal because we are really not talking about the same kind of products. Uh, but uh, do you see a lot of people that are doing this jump? And do you think it's something that is difficult for them? Uh, I think. 
I'm not sure I see so many people making a completely clean break from drugs to devices, but I certainly see a lot of people kind of adding devices to their portfolio of kind of knowledge and skills. Um, because increasingly we see, you know, pharma companies who use drugs to deliver their devices and, um, you know, combine products in, in other ways and companies who want to have a broader range of products in some cases. So I think, yeah, I think there's definitely a move to have more skills in that and to add that for device for drug professionals. Although, of course, there are a lot of jobs available in the medical device industry at the moment. We said that, you know, there's a big need for more capacity. So if people are maybe not so much enjoying where they are, that can be also a good way forward. But uh, as we said, so yeah, uh, maybe it's a good, a good point to say that we are not completely moving to device, but we are keeping a bit of both because as we have also these combination products that are in the middle that we have also um, on the new medical device regulation, we have also this article 117, if I remember, where it's amending the, the drug, uh, the drug the directive. Uh, so you, there is still a link, if I can say sometime with between medical device and, and drug, which I think even medical device people need to learn a bit of drug uh, regulation so they can also uh, be able to put some some products on the market like pre-filled syringe or those uh, things that are containing some drugs. So how, how we do that? So it's, I think it's also an important skill uh, even for medical device people to um, to learn about drugs. So, so it's, uh, it's really great. So what kind of training or what, what, what's, what your organization can do to help those people that want to transition or to help those people that want to get better qualifications. So what, what can Topra do for that? So we offer um, a range of training and also qualifications. So we have an MSc and a PhD program. Obviously, the PhD is very academic. That's not so much about, you know, kind of the day-to-day work. Yeah. Um, but uh, the MSc, we also have the apprenticeship and we do standalone training. So all of the training that we offer is kind of based on this five-step career ladder. Um, And we have a competency framework that helps people identify what they need to know at each of those stages. So that helps people to see where they are now and where they want to get to, and then to identify the training that that goes with that. So um, for people first getting into devices, um, we offer a kind of one-day overview that's like getting started. Here's all the things you don't know about that you will need to know about and how this is kind of roughly how the industry works. And then a much more comprehensive kind of three-day program where people really get into the basics and the nitty-gritty of what you actually need to do. What are the requirements and how do you start going about kind of meeting them? And then it really breaks down into more specialist topics. So we have you know, a course on electrical, electronic and software devices. And we have a course on IBDs and, you know, uh, things on the clinical side and risk management side and things like that. So then you can become, you can become more expert in those individual topics and kind of build your knowledge further. 
So, and all of our training, I guess I should say, is you know taught by a variety of experts. So we draw on professionals and experts in the device field, either working in well a mixture of people working in industry, working in the regulatory uh, authorities, and consultants to put together what people really need to know. And then, like you referred to earlier, that really practical insight into okay, how does this actually work? And what's other people's experience of doing it? No, it's it's great because yeah, as, as I say usually, so there is a theory and there is a practice, and uh, sometimes um, some some students are really confused. They say, "Oh, I thought it was working like that because on my on my class it was saying that," but in reality it can be different. So you have some special cases, and and yeah, having some professionals that are already in the industry or consultants that already experienced a lot of uh, problems or uh, situations is really, uh, I think, a good accelerator for those people uh, to, uh, to move forward quickly on, on, their, on their journey. So it's great. So um, do you do some kind of um, survey at the beginning to say where they are or where they are, what they are doing? Uh, we often have conversations with people about... Uh what they're doing and then on the day of the course we'll usually talk to people and kind of get from the audience what's what's your background what do you do and what are you hoping to get out of this okay um so um i know that uh, so top is an organization where you can be a member uh, or not uh, so what is the advantage of being a member of of topra uh sure well i guess a, a huge thing at the moment is is being able to network with other professionals so we have special interest network groups they are kind of online discussion forums but they also run webinars that are free to members and we have groups in different countries um, where professionals can meet locally so we have a really active topper in france group we have a topper in switzerland germany ireland lots of different countries where people can get together for you know face-to-face -face, network with each other talk about what are the latest issues or what are the hurdles they're facing and you know even for experienced professionals everyone is dealing with the mdr from afresh it's new for everyone so um it's an it's an opportunity to kind of share that experience and for people transitioning into the industry it's a chance to um you know to build a network of people they can go to for advice and guidance and understand more about it um, we also have professional accreditation so Okay. Uh, we offer chartered scientists so people can um, get a competence-based accreditation of their skills and knowledge that they can then show to others and to employers and say, you know, I, you know, I've reached the standard. I'm, I'm not just good. I'm great at my job, and I always kind of aspire to excellence. And okay. uh, we have a journal, the Regulatory Rapporteur. Um, that has kind of articles about different topics in regulatory affairs. So that can be a way to kind of get a digest of information. I mean, everyone can read through all the guidances, but sometimes it helps if someone who's really expert in that particular topic brings together their, their knowledge and understanding and compares to different um, kind of different regions as well, you know, Europe and the US, things like that. Um, we also have... Uh, member-only webinars on okay. kind of hot topics and current issues that are free to members. And um, although our training is accessible to everyone, whether they're a member or not, um, it is cheaper for members. We offer them a discount. And also just to stand together with other professionals um, 
to raise the status and promote regulatory affairs. Um, the more members we have, the more we can do to support the profession. And so then that helps to grow that even further. And where people can find all those, uh, the cost to be a member of, of TOPRA? Uh, yeah, so our website is just www.topra.org and all the information is there. Um, yeah, our membership fee is £210 a year. So okay. a bargain for all the great stuff you get. Good. So I will put that anywhere on the show notes so then people can go and check if this is something interesting for them. Uh, and then they can be a member of uh, this big organization, as you mentioned, so which can help you. So um, I also saw that you are creating some events or you have some Topra events. Absolutely. So we do conferences and opportunities, you know, kind of round tables and things like that, opportunities for members to meet. So our symposium is the end of September 30th of September to the 2nd of October. It's in Ireland this year, um, but it'll be in Brussels the year after. Okay. Um, nearly 600 people, 22 different regulatory authorities, agencies came last year, um, delegates from 31 countries. So it's a great opportunity to hear a lot of information about medical devices and IBDs, as well as pharma and, and veterinary um, regulatory affairs, all in one place and uh, mixed with people you otherwise wouldn't necessarily get a chance to meet. Um, for anyone interested in the dreaded Brexit word, we are also having a roundtable um, on the 26th of April where people okay. can discuss how that will impact people. So we do this kind of like, you know, discussion meetings as well. Okay. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a good also um, opportunity for people to network um, because yeah, learning is one thing, but having also connection with a lot of uh, other professionals is also important uh, so that uh, you can also uh, also talk about the interpretation of people and how to argue about that on some on some regulations, uh, which is uh, important. And also for you to grow also as a professional because uh, uh, as more people you know, as more people you network with, uh, as more you, are, you, you can grow in, inside your professional uh, practice. Practice and also hear stories or funny stories maybe sometime because we can also be funny in the regulatory affairs we are not just only papers so. <laughs> uh, so yeah so it's really interesting so um, okay so Samantha something else to say oh um, join us and if you want support and you don't know what's out there uh, people can always reach out to me or also we have a really active LinkedIn group Okay. Um, where people will answer questions for each other and discuss things. So, um, yeah, join the fun. So where people, so I suppose it's on LinkedIn where people can connect with you. Uh, yeah, so we're on LinkedIn, obviously the website. We're also on Twitter and we are on Facebook for people who still like Good. Facebook. I will, I will put, uh, grab all those links and put that on the show notes. So, uh, yeah, people can go directly and click on them and then uh, it will be, it will be great. Okay. So, uh, Samantha, it was really a pleasure to have you today. Uh, I hope really people now have, uh, some kind of choices on where, how they can, uh, be trained in regulatory affairs. Uh, and yeah, please contact uh, Samantha if you have more questions, uh, or put, uh, yeah, put, uh, put, uh, uh, her some questions in the LinkedIn or in, um, in the Topra website. And I hope, uh, yeah, you'll get your path, you'll get your solution on how to be a, a really good regulatory affairs professional. Okay, Samantha. So thank you very much. Uh, and you, I wish you a nice day. Uh, thank you so much, Moni. I'm just delighted to be able to feature on your, on your podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. Take care. Bye.